0: I'm Erin Wilson. To pay the bills, I am a success coach for students, and I am passionate about taking the frustration out of learning and shifting parents from managing their children to going back to just enjoying them again.
1: That sounds amazing. Well, it's what? really great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, what a success coach for children, what does what does that mean? Yeah, so I generally work with
0: children about third grade and up all the way through college, and I work on any of their executive functions. So that's anything that happens in the prefrontal cortex of the brain. So the things that we mostly see happening there are time management difficulties, goal setting, how do you take a large project and break it down into doable chunks and set manageable goals how do you keep yourself organized how do you keep from losing papers and knowing what to do and scheduling calendars and all of those pieces so um, I think about it as your prefrontal cortex is almost like an air traffic controller and there's all this stuff happening and they have to make sure that this one lands safely and the other ones you're gonna have to fly around there for a little bit because we're not quite ready for you and okay now we have space for you. So now you can do that and you can manage this part, manage that part and taking all of these skills that we have naturally. And with my students, they tend to either get overwhelmed by that and shut down or they try to do it all and everything kind of gets haphazardly. So so are all students this way? Or is this like, you know? Yeah. So we find that all humans actually have some sort of executive functioning deficit, but that part of the brain is the very last part to develop. And so the current neuroscience is saying that for women, it's about 26 years of age and for men, it's about 28. And so we find in students that have some sort of disability like ADHD specifically, that they're generally about three to six years behind their peers. And so if you're dealing with a, 17-year-old who has ADHD, some of their executive functioning skills can make them present as a
1: 13 or 14-year-old. Oh, interesting. And so the work that you do with these students helps them navigate this deficit until they catch up with it? Yes, and until they get more independent
0: skills. It's almost like adulting 101, so ah. all of those things that you should have learned in school, but didn't, you know, how to manage money and how we always tell our students, study, go home and study, but we don't teach them how to study mm. or how to learn. And so they get all this information and then they go home and they don't know what to do with it and they get overwhelmed by it. So how do we create systems that, yes, will help you in school, but will also help you beyond that? Oh, interesting. In- so how um, how does one learn? So what we're finding is it's a cycle, and Gretchen Wegner does some really great work around this, and what she says is that we learn things in a cycle where we take in that information, and then most of the time we spit it back out and move on with our lives. But what we are missing there is an assessment step. So after you've taken in that information, you spit it back out and you assess it and see, is this correct, is this not correct? And if it's not correct, you need to re-encode it in a new way which means that you learn it in a different medium and so what we're finding is when students or people in general um, manipulate that information in some way whether that's changing the way that the notes look or taking a list of notes and moving it into charts or taking a to-do list and putting it into different sections anytime they're manipulating that information it helps the memory to hold on to it more and so then from there you can utilize that information and time can go by. This is called space retrieval, and that's where time goes by. And then you test yourself and say, "Do I still remember that?" And if the answer is yes, then that means it's really stuck in there. Your brain can access it much easier.
1: And and these are the type of skills that you're helping teach your clients.
0: Yes, hopefully in a much more fun
1: way than a very scientific explanation. <laughs> I don't know. That sounded pretty fun to me, okay, cool. But the, but uh, you know, I'm not 12 <laughs> years old and wanting to go outside and play. Uh, what drew you to this kind of
0: work? So I started in education, and I had for a long time been a nanny and a governess for a family where I did their um, private school tutoring lessons in addition to child care, and eventually started teaching middle school. And I found that my students would feel so frustrated with themselves because they didn't know how to learn, or they didn't have tools and systems set up, or the school that I taught at would give them planners, but never teach them how to use the planner. Mm. So they'd open it up and just write all their homework down on a list and then forget about it. And so I started doing more research on how we learn and how we are successful in that learning. And so I started working then community colleges and connecting with students there and helping them as I kind of refined my coaching, really getting into what systems they need, what other life things happen that affect the learning. Mm-hmm. And then as I started building that, I started having people saying, can you do this for my child one-on-one? And so I left working in colleges and started my own private practice.
1: Wow. Wow. I just how rewarding this must be. It's amazing.
0: Um, there are definitely days where I feel very frustrated and sad when my students don't make their goals, but when they make them, it's amazing. And there's a uh, slam poet named Taylor Molly, and he talks about what teachers make, and it's a riff on the how much they make question, but he says, you know, we make a difference, and he talks about how he can make an A- minus feel like a slap in the face, and he can make a C- feel like the Congressional Medal of Honor, you know, just depending on each student where they're at, and that is so true for me in my practice. I have one student who, when she came to me, she was getting all D's, couple Fs, a C was about her highest grade, and she's made high honor roll the past two years. And her parents are elated, but more than that, she's getting this confidence that uh, I can actually do this. I'm learning stuff, and I'm more capable than I thought I was because everyone always told me what I couldn't do, and now I'm realizing what I can do. So it's a really fun time to be in her life, and
1: oh, uh, it's great. I uh, love it. What amazing work! Uh, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, so. You've got a, a very successful practice that's going on right now. Uh, beyond the the story you just told us, what's a recent um, personal or professional win you wanna wanna tell us about? Well, I'm a little unorthodox
0: from some of the other coaches that I know, and. One of those ways is, well, I work with children, most people do not, um, but the other academic type coaches that I've connected with across the country mostly do Zoom chats or video chatting, which you can get great results from, but I love to be face-to-face with my students and I love to open their binders and pull papers out and say, what is this doing in here? This isn't math, it doesn't go into the math section. And yeah, you know, like marking up their planners with them. And I had thought about restructuring my business this past year to doing Zoom because I could take on more clients that way because I wouldn't have to travel. And I travel to my students in a location that they feel comfortable. So usually it's their home or their school or local library, mm-hmm. someplace that the parents and the student have chosen, because I find that when they're in an element that's comfortable for them, they're ready to do the learning. And so I spend a lot of time driving and it's a pretty frustrating part of the job. And so I thought about about reworking it and so I said what I will do is I will send something out to my existing clients and I will only take on eight students next year that's it so I'll send something out and anybody who doesn't sign up for next year I'm going to fill their spot with a zoom spot and I'm only gonna start filling zoom spots and I sent it out to 14 families and 11 of them wanted their spot back so that made me feel fantastic and so I had them pick their plan and I was like well zooms an option now and it's cheaper than me coming to you and they were like no we want the face-to-face and so that just really validated that what I'm doing is working and working for me, despite all of the noise around building a multi-million dollar business and doing everything online, and this is a best practice for coaches because you can get more people in the door. And for me, I thought I want to keep the quality really strong instead
1: of the quantity. So that felt really, really great. Very exciting. Well, and it goes to show that we define success for ourselves and you put forth what was most important for you and you're being rewarded for that. And it sounds like, did you raise your rates as well? Um, I did raise my rates a bit, not
0: too much, but a a little bit to accommodate for the driving and decided that I wanted to keep my values front and foremost. And for that, it is meeting the students face to face. And so when I worked at a college, I would have conversations with them about boundaries because I would give students my cell phone number. Mm -hmm. And people would say, after five o'clock, you're off. You should not be taking calls from students. But I have literally had students call me from the top of a bridge saying, you're my last call. And I knew that if I didn't show up on Monday, you would be upset. So I'm calling you. And I drove and picked him up off the bridge and we went and got milkshakes and got him connected to mental health services. And for me, just having that personal connection with them and that relationship is so important. Mm. And so I valued that above all of the other noise, you know, that you hear when you're starting
1: a business. If more people were like you, the world would be a much better place. Oh, thank you. Well, I, I hate I hate to do this. It's usually one of my favorite things to do is the pivot. Uh, but we, we always pivot on this podcast yeah. to struggle because yeah. we want people to know that, you know, everybody struggles. So. Is there a recent personal or professional struggle that you want to talk about?
0: Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think that anytime you start your own thing, there's some self-doubt in there. Am I doing the right thing? Am I making the right choice? Uh, What if this doesn't pan out? You know, all of those things happen. And I hide behind information gathering as a crutch. And so I'm one of those people who's like, Okay, I'm not quite ready yet, but once I have this certification, okay, well, I need to still read this book. Once I listen to this expert and I invest in this training program and I, because I don't have the guts to just be like, here I am. I'm like, I need a lot of stuff to back me up so that I look competent. And and then a friend said to me once, you know, there are people out there with less experience who are doing the dream job that you want to be doing right now, probably worse than you would be doing it just because they had the guts to put themselves out there. And I thought, okay, yeah, guilty, fine, you see me, I get it. (laughs) And so I started, you know, just jumping in the business but I find that every now and then I get sucked into an information overload Mm -hmm. because we have access to so much information and so many experts and this person wrote a bestseller and now there's a TED Talk and everyone's signing up for this and you have to follow Marie Kondo's thing and clean your house and does it bring you joy and ah! It's like there's just so much to manage that it becomes overwhelming to me. And I can't just take those things as a suggestion. I take them all as to-dos. Yeah. And so I find myself feeling burnt out in my work because there are so many things I need to read and so many things I need to complete. And sometimes I just have to say, you know... I am doing okay. My students seem to like me all right, just fine. This book can wait six months. It'll be fine. I'll be okay. And so I have a really hard time with intaking too much information and what to do with it.
1: And what it sounds like is you're completely aware that this is a crutch for you. Recently, I have been completely aware. Okay.
0: Because I about ran myself into the ground in April and mm. I did the typical feminized trait of saying yes to everybody and I will save them and I will help with this. And oh, this family needs my help and they're not a perfect fit, but they've called three other coaches and they want me, so okay, fine. And what I found out I was doing was working 12 to 16 hour days weekends included, and wasn't sleeping well. And I just thought, what are all the things I have to do? I'm just going to list them all. And so I listed them all and I started seeing that some of these things were optional things like Mm -hmm. fixing the icons on my website okay nobody's (laughs) gonna be like you're a terrible coach because your icons are not perfectly aligned like that can go on the list of things that I don't need to be stressing out about that I can eventually get to one of these days yeah and so kind of managing that to-do list in a more healthy fashion Mm -hmm. has been something I've spent the last
1: couple months really focusing on well and it sounds like well Do you do the same kind of work with your clients, managing a to-do list? Uh, Yes. Uh, Yes. You would think I would have these skills, but the other piece is that's so key
0: in the coaching I do and all coaching, I think, is that accountability piece. mm -hmm. And when you work for yourself, you're not necessarily accountable to anybody except you. And so you can say to yourself, like, you have to do all of this stuff. You can be really a hard boss to yourself or you can be a super lax boss but you don't have to do any of it don't even bother sending out the invoices don't worry about getting paid and then you realize like oh I sort of need to pay the mortgage I should have done that so not having
1: that external yeah piece can be really challenging yeah so uh so you're working on better time management it sounds like and and your prioritization prioritization well and putting yourself first a little bit more than maybe you have in the past
0: Yes, that's true. The piece of prioritization that's really shifted for me in the last couple months is what's important to me Mm -hmm. versus what's important to industry experts Uh, what's important to coaching professionals. What's important to those people who are on those YouTube ads that say, do you want to build a million dollar business? (laughs) You have to build a sales funnel. It's like, I have to build a sales funnel and now I need an opt-in. Okay, I need an opt-in. I'm like, I'm full for the fall. Why are you building opt-ins? Like, Stop. Stop. Yes. So that's the. Well,
1: congratulations.
0: Well, thank you very much. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the struggle. Prioritizing things and really getting in line with my priorities yeah. versus what I feel my priorities should be.
1: Yeah, should. I, I talk to my clients a lot about the only dirty word in my practice is should. Yeah, we should on people a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's a shitting on.
0: <laughs> <Yes>.
1: <laughs> uh, so. What advice do you have for young people going into the workforce today, uh, be it going into coaching or what, whatever they want to go into? Yes.
0: Great question because my students are starting the workforce, so a lot of them ask me about this. And I have two main pieces of information that I give them. The first one is use your resources. If you know somebody who knows somebody, Ask them if they'd be willing to let you sit down with them for five minutes. I mean, that's a very low stakes. It's not like you're asking them for a job, but do an informational interview. What is it you do? How do you like it? How long have you been doing it? How did you get into this work? Um, volunteer. Volunteer and try different things. For me, I was the type of kid that my parents were very, very poor and quite neglectful and i always wanted to go to summer camp as a kid that was my dream but they couldn't afford to send me so as an adult the first thing i did was volunteer at summer camp and i was like this is so great i get to do all the crafts and i get to sing the songs <laughs> and i basically get to be a camper for free this is awesome <laughs> and there were other things i i did you know short part-time jobs that i picked up cuz i thought this would be a really great experience and realized that's not for me and that's okay and so really utilizing all of those resources mm-hmm. you have and the second one is advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm. I have so many students who will say things to me like, well, they're not hiring. Well, how do you know? Because they don't have a sign on the door. I'm like, Well, did you talk to anybody? No. Well, did you go tell them that you're really looking for something and here's a resume anyway and call you? No, I didn't think to do that. So this advocating piece, I think that we have sort of lost the hustle. Yeah. And so now it's this sort of, well, if they need my help, they'll ask me or I turned in an application. Okay. Did you follow up? Well, no, I don't want to bother them. Like, you need a job, you need to bother them. And a part of that comes from when my dad was young. He, at the age of 27, had um, four kids, an ex-wife and a new wife. So he was a very busy man. (laughs) <laughs> and, um, he told me this story about how they were doing a hiring expo to work for the postal service and he really needed the job because it was a government job with benefits and he had kids and they were opening it up at like 7 o'clock and he showed up there at 5 30 and he said I wanted to be first in line and so I had my resume ready and I showed up there and I was dressed the part and I guess a man came in to the office and was like oh you're here early and he's like yeah I'm just here for the job hiring thing and he said well it doesn't start till 7 you know you can leave and come back and my dad was like no I want to make sure I'm first in line. This is really important to me. And the guy said, well, actually, I'm the hiring manager. You want to come in and have a cup of coffee with me? And my dad was like, sure. And so they sat down, had a cup of coffee. And before the hiring had even started, my dad had the job. And so he told us, you know, you always, you have to make your own luck. Shirley Chisholm says if there's not a spot at the table, grab a chair, right? I mean, that's what you need to do. And I, I think that advocating for themselves is something that especially young people need to really take under their control and make opportunities happen for themselves.
1: I feel inspired right now. I, I gotta go advocate <laughs> for myself somewhere. I don't know where, but watch out world, I'm gonna come advocate. Yeah, exactly. Go. <laughs> um, so Aaron, what um what makes you
0: a Virago? I think what makes me a Virago is I'm tired. And I'm tired of settling mm. and I'm tired of being told I'm too much for people. Um, I had a job. I kid you not. They pulled me into the office and said, if there's anywhere else that you can spread joy at home or whatever, do it there because the workplace isn't a place for joy and fun. And I just thought, you are not my people. <laughs> oh my god! Right? I'm tired. I'm tired of being told, you know, you need to be quieter. You need to Amen. know your place. You need to... I'm just tired of it, and so I just decided one day that I was done with that, and I have every right to have that same space at the table, or I have every right to get a job that I want to get, or say what I'm thinking, and... If the people that I say it to aren't receptive, then they're not my people and that's okay. Like I don't need to please all the tribes, I just need to please my tribe. Find my tribe, be completely me, and then hang with those people because those are the people that get me and they're gonna support me and love me. And here's an example. I work with middle schoolers and sometimes I will say a swear word. (gasps) I know what I know it's probably the first one they've ever heard in middle school What? but you know sometimes pe- other coaches will say oh you should never do that you need to set an adult example with your clients and I say yeah but my clients are swearing in front of me and I need that relatability this is what I say the most to them that's a swear is I'll say are you going to bust ass on this or not Like, what's the deal? And they'll say, like, yes or no. And I'll be like, okay, remember, you promised. And so that's a phrase that I use with them quite a bit. And it has more of a punch than saying, do you promise that you'll work hard? And so the kids who I say it to, they know what it means. They get it and they're like, yes, I know. They're not so put off by the swear word that they lose the meaning. And so, yeah, I just kind of became sick and tired of everyone telling me to tone it down Why are you so hyper? Why do you talk so much? Why are you so outgoing? Oh my gosh, you're talking to the waiter. That's so embarrassing. (laughs) I mean, I'm the type of person who, if I'm in line at the grocery store and the person's like, how's your day? I'll go, great. How's yours? Uh, fine. Yeah. What are you doing today after work? (laughs) Um, you know, totally put him (laughs) on the spot because I just like building really genuine connections. And for some people that's uncomfortable and that's, that's okay. But that's just not me.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, you are definitely Virago, and uh, <laughs> I, I I, would like to be a part of your tribe. <laughs> yeah, you are. You're in. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're coming to the end, uh, and this has been so delightful. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. What question do you wish I
0: would have asked that I didn't? I think the question that fires me up the most mm-hmm. is why do I do what I do? Oh. Less about the mechanics of how and like, why? And the reality is I work with kids who are constantly being judged by their parents, by their teachers, by doctors, by society. Millennials are lazy. Gen Zers, they're just connected to their phones. And it's so fun to get to connect with them and get to instill in them a sense of purpose and independence and individuality and cultivate in them some fun and some growth around things that they're interested in. One of the questions I always ask my students is, I want you to teach me something that I don't know anything about. And through that, I've learned about anime and video games and how to make the perfect free shot and all different things that I wouldn't have known otherwise. But when you ask youth specifically what they're interested in and just listen and be non-judgmental about it, it's amazing. They just light up and they talk and they start going and that to me is the absolute best feeling when they leave there going, "This was so fun." I'm like, "Yay! That's what coaching is supposed to be." And so that's why I do what I do.
1: Fantastic. Uh thank you very, very much. And if anyone um so you're you're booked up for the fall, you said. What if what if there are parents out there who've heard this and like, "Oh, I didn't know that was available for my my kids?" Is there a resource out there that they can go to? There are a couple of us academic coaches
0: that have practices and we connect. I recommend that they shoot me an email because what I would do is learn more about them and their child and what works best and then connect them to a coach that I personally know. Because some coaches are really great at different things. Got it. Different age levels or if they're open to doing Zoom. There's some that are fantastic coaches, but they only do online coaching mm-hmm. so kind of talking to the parent figuring out what their best need is and then connecting them to a resource well uh if you could give us your email address right now sure it's uh if you just go to the website it's seattlesuccesscoaching.com
1: excellent and we'll have that um in the uh the podcast notes for this podcast as well so Aaron, thank you again very much thank and you. uh i i look forward to being a member of your tribe yeah i hope to talk to you soon okay, bye bye Thank you, my Viragos, for listening to the I Am Virago podcast. Check out new episodes every Tuesday. If you have ideas or suggestions of who you'd like to hear from on this podcast, go to IamVirago.com slash podcast and leave a message. And remember, you are a Virago.